0: Thank you very much, Pastor. Take your Bibles and join me, if you would, in turning to the book of Isaiah. This is where we'll be this morning, the book of Isaiah, chapter 33. Isaiah, chapter 33. It's good to see some familiar faces from our times and years past where uh, we have been able to uh, be a part of the ministry here. I remember very well the time that I was here with Brother Comfort, uh you may not have realized that but the last time at least the last time that I I was here with Brother Comfort uh, that was his first meeting back in several months after being ill and uh, I had no idea if I was going to be leading the choir and preaching and doing everything else and Brother Comfort had a uh, just a great rebound of health that week and I enjoyed working with the choir and I've enjoyed the opportunity to be here in the church uh, through the years and so it's good to see some familiar faces some folks uh, that have uh, traveled ways. I had no clue that Aunt Helen and, and Allie would be here until this morning. And uh, when I heard that, I thought maybe Pastor had misspoke. But I was like, no, no, that's that's them. And uh, it's good. It's good to see them here. And uh, Brother Rogers, I had the opportunity to minister with his family uh, when he was in Pennsylvania, and so uh, they're now down in Florida here. And so it's good to see them this morning. And uh, I love this Bible conference. I'll tell you why. Because if there's anything we need in our country today, it's the Bible, isn't it? Uh, Of all the things that we're seeing take place today, I want to encourage you about something. With all the things that you're seeing take place, whether it is uh, a shutdown, uh, political chaos, uh, you name it. Just remember this, the Bible has answers. And there's a lot of people in the world today that don't even look to the Bible as an authoritative source. If you go out to people on the street and you say, well, you know, what do you believe about the Bible? Uh, they probably tell you, well, it's a book, and, but they, yet they wouldn't affirm it to be a necessarily Holy Scripture like we would. But I'm convinced the Bible has the answers. And the more I watch the news, the less I want to watch it, and the more I'm driven to the Bible... I realize that the Bible tells me how to act, it tells me what to believe, it tells me how to live, and it tells me how to have stability in a day that is unstable. And so in light of that, I want to invite you to be here for every service. I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Stringer preach. We've crossed paths on an occasion or two, and I'm delighted for him to be able to preach this week. I'm looking forward to being helped myself. uh, But the only way that you're going to be helped is to be listening, to be here And I know that we'll have some friends that are listening, uh, whether live streaming, whatever the case. But I want to encourage you to be here for every service because the Bible has the answers for the day in which we live. And as I've thought about my messages this week, a pastor had asked about a theme. And I talked to Brother Stringer last week trying to make sure that we don't uh, overlap. And uh, I think basically in the four messages, if I recall correctly, this morning and then Monday through Wednesday night... Uh, preaching, and then I'm preaching the chapel too, but in the evening services, I think I basically would like to just say my line of thinking is this, four messages for America. Now, when I say that, please understand, uh, I'm not talking about taking America and slapping some Bible to it. I'm talking about looking at the Bible and making the application to America. There's a difference. The foundation has to be right. Do you know the Bible speaks about government and its role? Did you know that the Bible speaks about morality? Did you know there were times in Bible times that there was a dearth of prophets and those that were willing to stand? What was God's heartbeat back in that day and what is God's heartbeat today? Uh, Several of those questions and more we'll be answering in those messages. So I hope that you'll come back every service. Isaiah, have you found it? All right, if you've not, let me help you. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and a long ways after you get to the book of Isaiah. When you get to the book of Psalms, you're getting close, all right? Isaiah chapter 33, I'd like to read one verse for our text. Isaiah chapter 33, verse number 22. The Bible says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our King. He will save us. Several years ago, I was preaching in a church in Pensacola, Florida. And two of our graduates at the time, they were living in Mobile, Alabama, and they had heard that I was preaching in Pensacola. And so they asked me, they said, Hey, Brother Beale, can we come uh, to a service and visit with you afterwards? I said, That'd be great. And so I'll never forget this husband and wife team, both graduates, uh, made the journey about an hour, I think, drive to the church in Pensacola. And after the service, uh, we went to a restaurant for some Baptist fellowship. I know that we're just now getting back into the habit a little bit. And so uh, this gentleman and his wife and I, we went to a very fine dining establishment called Arby's. I don't know if you have those around here. I'm sure you do, but uh, anything beats a hamburger sometimes when you've eaten a lot of them. And so, uh, anyway, we went to Arby's one night and I'll never forget, we were talking and the graduate and I, we were just talking about the things of the Lord. He was telling me about his ministry there in Mobile. I was telling him about our meetings and how things were going uh, at Ambassador and it was just a delightful conversation. I mean, we, we probably talked for, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 minutes and... But it was after we had gotten really embroiled in conversation, I will never forget there was a young man who was sitting at a neighboring table. He took a chair and he pulled it up to our table and interrupted our conversation. And he said, Would you mind if I asked you gentlemen a question? And we said, No, sure, go ahead. And to this day, I've never forgotten that young man's question. He was in his early 20s. And the young man asked us this question. He said, Who is God? Who is God? And to be honest, I was stunned for a moment. Now I know it's hard for you some of you to believe that we preachers can ever be caught flat-footed and speechless, because you think we're always talking. But I'll tell you, I, I was stunned by the question so much so that I did not know how to immediately answer him. Now, there are some of you at this point, you're like, well, you ought to be ashamed. You're a preacher of the gospel. You'd say, I'll tell you, if anybody ought to know anything about God, it ought to be a preacher. You ought to hang your head if you didn't know what to say. Well, if you're in that crowd, before you judge me, will you hear me out? When you get a question like that from somebody that you do not know, and they ask you that in earnest, and when you consider that the subject matter is God, here's my question, where do you start? I mean the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you say to such a fellow? And so after a while, the graduate and I, we picked up a conversation. And just in summary, to do the best we can, we took him from Genesis to Revelation in about 30 minutes and tried to introduce him to the God of heaven. Now, the the, the, the motivation behind the question was very interesting. Here was a man a white male in his early 20s, and he told me afterwards that he was on a quest to seek out spirituality and religion. He had already talked to Buddhists. He had already talked to Hindus. He had already talked to a number of uh, different denominations. And for from what I understand, <clears throat> we were probably one of the first of anything that was Christian that he decided to ask the question to. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that was a question that was asked to me in earnest in the state of Florida. And do you know what that question tells me? That question tells me that even here in America, much less the world, there are a lot of people who do not know the answer to this question, Who is God? And can I tell you that is perhaps the greatest question of the hour right now. Some of you pride yourselves in everything that you know, but listen to me, if you don't know the answer to the question, who who is God, what have you achieved in life? If you don't know the answer to the question, who is God, how can you have peace? If you don't know the answer to the question, who is God, how can you know anything about certainty in eternity? And so this morning, I want you to see a verse that I think tells us very clearly who God is. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a a verse today that I think every person in this room needs to understand and I wish I could preach it to the entire world because I believe the greatest question you'll ever answer, at least this morning, will be this question, Who is God? Now, I want to begin by first of all telling you this, that God, the Lord, is the judge. You'll notice that Lord is L-O-R-D all in caps. It's a very specific reference. When when people talk about God today, they speak about God in great generalities. You can go out and people talk about the man upstairs. People talk about uh, the man in the sky. And there are a lot of people, they think they're talking about the God of heaven, but they're really using such generalities. You can ask a person, do you believe in God? And in our pluralistic society, the question is, which one? But the God that I am talking about this morning is none other than Jehovah. I'm talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm talking about the God of heaven, the one and true God. And so I'm here to tell us this morning that the Lord is our judge. I believe right now that all of us need to understand that we are accountable to a holy God. Did you know that? Every individual in this room, whether you realize it or not. I'm a little bit humored sometimes by the story of a teenager that says, you know, I just want to get out from under mom and dad. And I want to go out and live my life the way that I want. And then of all things, they join the army. You know, it's interesting. That young man, he doesn't want the accountability of mom and dad. And all of a sudden, he wants the accountability of a drill instructor. Let me tell you something. That's like jumping from a frying pan into the fire, isn't it? But you know, there's something inside of all of us that defies the fact that we are accountable to someone. Maybe you're a young person here and you say, well, I'm longing to get out from under my house do what I want. That's all right. Let me tell you, you'll always be accountable to God. Your parents may not be there. Your pastor may not be there. But God is always there. But in our day and time, it seems like our society bucks against the idea that we are all accountable to God. The Bible tells us in Genesis 18 and verse 25, "...shall not the judge of all the earth do right?" You understand that the Bible tells us that He is the judge of all the earth. He's the judge of every nation. He's the judge of every person. He is the God of all of the earth and He will always do what's right. There's no crooked judge in heaven. God's judgment is perfect. God's judgment is holy. God's judgment is righteous. And you know, there are a lot of people today, they point out the flaws in our judicial system and in our legal system, and there certainly are, because I'm telling you, it's filled with human beings let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, as flawed as the U.S. court system may be and as much cronyism as you see in different places, let me tell you something. Those very same people are unaware of the fact that one day they're going to stand before a divine judge. A judge who is always right. The Bible tells us about that judge. In Psalm 75 and verse 7, But God is the judge. He putteth down one and he setteth up another. Now ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a personal question. When's the last time you've thought about the fact that one day you're going to stand before God? Why? Because God is the judge. Let me make something very plain. Listen to me. Every person in this room, this preacher included, every one of us one day will stand before God. Every one of us will one day stand before God. And if I could just sum it up, I could say we're going to stand before God in one of two capacities. Number one, there's going to be people that will stand before the judge in Revelation chapter 20 at the great white throne judgment. And the people that will stand before God at the great white throne judgment will be men and women... It will be individuals who have rejected Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. They have died and now they stand before the judge. Their names are not in the book of life and it's a horrible, terrible judgment. Listen, any preacher that denies judgment, they do you a great disservice. Why? Because they're hiding the truth from you. Because there's coming a day, ladies and gentlemen, where the wrath of God will be so fierce that the Bible tells us the heavens and the earth will flee away. And it'll be lost mankind standing before God. You know who's going to be at that great white throne judgment? I said those who've rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. I'm talking about the late night comedians that make fun of God and act as if He doesn't exist and treats Him as just some part of their comedy act and makes light of God. One day they will bow their knee and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father any major athlete that scoffs at the idea of God, there's coming a day that that individual, regardless of how much money they've made, will stand before God and confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And also the moral church member who went through all of the motions to please their mom and dad and they find themselves this morning in a very, peculiar, a very peculiar, peculiar place because you find yourself in a pew, you're in the right place but your heart is empty because you've never placed your trust in Christ. I'm telling you the moral church member will be there just as well as the drunkard because God is the righteous judge. My friend, if you're here this morning and you find yourself without Jesus and you hear about this judgment, you please understand, I don't tell you that because I hate you. I tell you that because I love you. And were it not for the grace of God, I'd be there myself. But you know, there is another place where people are going to stand before God and give an account. Every Christian, I want you to hear me well. I can't go into great detail. <clears throat> but if you want to know more, you read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because every Christian in this room one day will stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Now, let me make something very clear. When I'm talking about this judgment, I'm not talking about a Christian being judged for his sins. Listen, my sins were judged on Calvary when Jesus hung on that cross. But make no bones about it. The Bible is very clear that everything the Christian does in his body, whether it be good or bad, will be reckoned at the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 sums it up like this. Everything that you and I do in our lives as Christians, it basically falls in one of two categories. Gold, silver, and precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble. In other words, when I live for God, not only do I do the right things, but I do them for the right reason. When I live for God and I honor Him from day to day, you know what that is? That's gold, silver, and precious stone. When I live the way that I want, When I brush off God and say, I know you want me to live for you, but there's things that I want to do, that is wood, hay, and stubble. A lot of times we say, boy, what we need in America, we need a healthy fear of God. Why, if all of these people, boy, I'll tell you what, they're out there doing all these things. If all those people would just have the fear of God, our country would be changed. And I'll tell you something else, I believe our churches would be changed if we returned to a healthy fear of God. I know that as a child of God, I'll never have to worry about one flame of hell. But I'll tell you what, I still want to realize I'm accountable to God. you ever stood before a judge before? I did when I was 16 years old. I'll never forget it. <coughs> my dad had passed away when I, was about, when I was 15. I got my driver's license when I was 16, and basically my mother sat me down and she said, Alton... And I'm giving you a paraphrase of what she said. Basically, she said this, if you get a ticket, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Didn't take very long. And I got a ticket. I remember that trooper gave me this large pink slip of paper. And it told me to be at the Forsyth County Courthouse on such and such a date at such and such a time. I was scared to death. I took a friend of mine from high school with me, and we showed up at the courthouse, (coughs) and I'll never forget it. I was in this large room filled with people. I learned I wasn't the only speeder in Forsyth County. And a lady stood up in a chair with a clipboard, and she began to call our names in alphabetical order, and she said, Say guilty, not guilty, or continuance. And, you know, when your last name starts with B, you don't have much time to learn the ropes. (laughs) I knew what guilty meant. I knew what not guilty meant. I had no idea what continuance meant. And sure enough, they called my name, and I did the only thing I knew to do. I said, guilty. A few minutes later, they called my name, and for the first time in my life, I entered into a courtroom, and there was a man that was wearing a black robe with a gavel in his hand and a file folder in the other hand, And he proceeds to ask me questions about the event. And I answered, Yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, sir, no, sir. And as I stood, I may have been standing upright, but I might as well have been laying in the floor. That's how I felt. I was sick. At the end of that endeavor, he kindly told me, he said, Mr. Beale, this is your first offense. We're going to reduce it. It's not going to go on your insurance. However... You do it again and you'll be sorry. And I'm going to tell you, I still remember the fear. I still remember the awe. I still remember how I felt when I stood before a human judge. And ladies and gentlemen, when I think about the fact that one day I'm going to stand and fall on my face before a divine one, I'll tell you what, it affects me in this lifetime. My friend, if you're here this morning and there's any doubt in your mind about salvation, you remember one day you're going to stand before the judge and better for you to deal with it now instead of waiting then. And My dear friend, if you're a Christian here and you want everybody else in America to understand that God is the judge, then it's high time that we are accountable to the judge. But not only is God the judge, number two, I want you to see that God is the lawgiver. I think that this is a very fundamental concept that needs to be reckoned and realized in our culture, and our country, and our churches today. <laughs> when I talk about the lawgiver, let me illustrate it and then I'll get into it. Uh, my mother lived with us for six years before she went home to be with the Lord. She was in poor health. and When my mom was living with us, I discovered quickly why God did not give 60 and 70 year olds children to take care of and to raise, normally speaking. Now, there are some grandparents that I know that are raising their grandchildren as their own. My hats go off to you, but you know as well as I do that uh, sometimes the patience wears thin sometimes. uh, And that's exactly what happened in our household. I remember my three kids, they were playing. They were just doing what kids do. And the noise had gotten so great for my mom, and my mom had asked them to stop. And so after a while, you know how kids are, they started rearing up again. And I'll never forget my mom was sitting at the table and she raised that hand of hers and she slapped it down to the table and she looked at them and she pointed and she said, That's it. I'm laying down the law. (laughs) I still remember that very well because my mom probably did that to me too when I was a kid gave me flashbacks. I'm going to tell you what, when I look at this world, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? When you look at the Bible, you recognize this, that many years ago somebody laid down the law. Now I don't have the time to break it down in every nuance, I don't have the time to break it down in every last detail, but did you know, ladies and gentlemen, this book establishes things a long time before Congress ever met. Do you know, ladies and gentlemen, that this book shows us the mind of God on things long before a Supreme Court could ever meet? Long before America ever came even into the minds of founding fathers, ladies and gentlemen, God Almighty laid down the law. Now when I'm talking about the law, I'm not speaking about it in the most specific sense with all of the Jewish customs and all of the Jewish rituals that took place. But if I might, let me just grapple with some of the, of the questions of society today and look at the Bible and even see what Jesus quoted in the New Testament. And ladies and gentlemen, let's think for a moment. Does the Bible speak to modern day issues that are taking place in America today? Listen, a long time before any of us were on the scene, God Almighty said, here are the way things are supposed to be. For instance, I would dare say in our churches today, <clears throat> our families, most families are affected in some, some way about the ideas of transgender thinking or marriage. My family is, There are things at which people are challenged. Our society today has made things very acceptable or more so acceptable, and they appeal to empathy over truth. You say, What's that mean? They appeal to feeling over truth. I don't think there's anything wrong with trying to hurt with somebody, but you can't let feelings trump the truth. I can't let my feelings change what God said. I can be compassionate, I can grapple with it, I can try to understand, but I'm going to tell you something, when it's all said and done, there's a line that I cannot cross. And when it comes to human sexuality today, people say, well, you know what, the Bible doesn't speak to that. And you know what I tell them? Yes, it does. As a matter of fact, Jesus Himself spoke to that. Now, I have no problem quoting the book of Leviticus or Deuteronomy, but I found that dealing with a lot of people, when you say this is what Jesus said, their ears pick up a little bit. And people today, they say, well, you know what? When it comes to confusion with gender and such, uh, you know, the Bible doesn't speak to that. The Bible does. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, in verse number 4, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? God is the one that created gender. God is the one that created that. Who am I to change it? That's a very simple answer. But let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Society in America is pushing hard as to who the lawmaker is, and you're going to have to make up your mind. Is it God or is it the mob? You know, have you heard this phrase over the last few months? I hate to even say it, but follow the science. Listen, it's not that I'm for being an idiot, but you know what I have real trouble with? Many of the same people that talk about following the science cannot count chromosomes. (laughs) I'm really not saying that to belittle anybody. I'm just trying to point out to thinking people the hypocrisy that's there. Listen, liberal pundits may move the goalposts, but I'm telling you what, this book is true. You know, when it comes to the idea of marriage, listen, I deal with situations where I have people that I, I was raised with that have come to different conclusions. And that is their prerogative. But in the end, I cannot shake my conviction that the Bible says in in, uh, Matthew 19, verse verse 5, Jesus said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Now I just point out those two issues, ladies and gentlemen, because I'm telling you, more is coming. But are you persuaded in your mind that God is the lawgiver? Where do you think we got the idea it was bad to kill somebody? You think a million years ago two Neanderthals were sitting by a campfire who could hardly communicate with one another and one grunted to the other? Mmm, kill people bad. Where do you think we got that? Let me tell you something. If you and I wrote the rules, murder would be legal. Oh, don't you look at me like you. don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Enough of you drive a vehicle in Florida. When you've been cut off and you could write the rules, how would it be? None of this turning the other cheek business. Vengeance! Let me tell you something. If we wrote the rules, it'd be a lot different. But when God wrote the rules, He said, Thou shalt not kill. Honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not bear false witness. And on and on it goes. You know who wrote those rules? God did. And I will tell you, in our government today, in the structure that we have, you go to the Supreme Court building, there is at least an acknowledgement of Moses being given the law. There had to be some foundation... Do you believe God's the lawgiver? I'm going to tell you, you're going to be tested on that more and more. Is man right or is God right? you have to make that decision for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, if I could illustrate it this way, it's crazy for us to change the rules that God very clearly laid out. You know, here at the, here at the uh, school, <coughs> I remember the last time I was here playing basketball. Let's say this week I get out with all the guys on the court. We're on the basketball court. And I pull up there with a the basketball in my hand. And I say, all right, boys, we're going to play in just a moment. But before we start, I'm just going to tell you we're going to change some things. First of all, there are no out-of-bounds lines at all. You can dribble anywhere you want. And not only that, but there are no fouls. You've heard no blood, no foul. Well, this is no fouls. And not only that, but when I shoot it in, it's going to count five points. When you shoot it in, it only counts one. I'll tell you what, every one of those high schoolers, listen, they may not have ever been to college, but they look to me and say, that man's crazy. We're not playing with him. You just can't change the rules. And you know what? Every last one of them would be right. The folks, we live in a country today that knows little about God and they're changing all kinds of things and they haven't a clue. But the sad thing is, I've seen the effect it's had upon believers who are bowing and caving to the world. I'm not asking you to be mean. I'm not asking you to be hateful, but I am asking you to be faithful to this book. The Lord is the judge. The Lord is the lawgiver. And by the way, I've got some really bad news for all of us. Every one of us has broken God's law. Lest you think I've been a high and mighty preacher for the last 20 minutes, I'll tell you, when it's all said and done, the ground's level for all of us, every last one of us, we've broken God's law. And that's why we better know who God is, because God's the only one who can get us out of this mess. (laughs) The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. This has been a good part of the verse for me to remember the last six months of my life. It's the idea of superiority. It's the idea of ruling. Listen to me. There is nobody higher than God. Where does the buck stop? It stops with Him. There's nobody above Him and God is the King. You say, this country's a mess. You're right, it may be. You say, I've never seen anything like these days. Yes, but I take great solace in this, is God is the King. You say, there are things that I deal with day to day. It gives me great pressure. I understand. I face those myself. But I take great solace in the fact that God is the King. God has no term expiration. God is not subject to a vote. The great I am who said, Light be and light was. Listen, that is our God. He is the King. And there are times that, even in the midst of chaos and even in the times of uncertainty, I need to push it all aside and bask in this one truth God is King. Psalm 24, it describes him, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Psalm 10 and verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. You can have some stability in these unstable days when you remember the fact that God is the king. Seems like man's always trying to thwart him, isn't it? Ever since the Tower of Babel, right? Let's build this tower to the sky. Kingdom after kingdom seems to arise and shake their fist at God. And you know what? Rome is in ashes, but God is alive and well. When the law of the Medes and Persians was thriving and idolatry was rampant, now it is a memory in history, but God Almighty is still in heaven. And sometimes we just need to be reminded that God's the king. But here's where I'd like to end the message. Not only is the Lord our judge, not only is he the lawgiver, not only is he the king, but the last thing that I want to show you from the verse is that he is the Savior. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. Here it is. He will save us. You ever heard anybody make the statement, oh, I don't like that because he's judge, jury, and executioner? He's the one that writes the rules. He's the one that enforces the rules and He's the one that crushes us. You ever heard that statement before? It's it's to say that's not fair. Why? Because I'll tell you what, given to a man, when a man's a judge, jury, and executioner, you mark it down, he's going to be jaded in his thinking. But I want to end today by telling you how marvelous God is. The fact that God Almighty is the judge And ladies and gentlemen, as the judge, he was still willing to send his son Jesus to die on an old rugged cross to pay for my sin. I've never heard a story yet of a judge in Georgia who was looking at a convicted felon, and as he's about to pronounce the sentence, all of a sudden stand up and throw his hands up and say, Listen, I know that this individual has molested children and he has dealt drugs. I know that this individual has been considered by society to be the worst of the worst. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do the unthinkable. And through the side door comes an 18-year-old boy. And the judge says, I am going to let my son serve in this man's place. And I'm going to let him go free. I'm going to tell you, every major media outlet would say that judge is a kook. But what did God Almighty do for you? He who knew no sin was made sin for us. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You want to know who God is? I'll tell you who God is. Yes, He's the judge. And yes, He condemns sin, but that judge gave His own Son to die on the cross so that you could go to heaven. <clears throat> Not only is the Lord the judge, but He's the lawgiver. Think about this. Parents, whenever you lay down the law in your household and your children break the law, how does that make you feel about it? when you say that's it, I've told you ten times not to do that, does that make you happy or does that make you angry? This is where every parent's just like, I don't know how to answer that question. Let me tell you, whenever you lay something out and people repeatedly break it, it doesn't endear your heart to them. If anything, it causes a little indignation to swell in your heart and maybe even to the point where as a parent you're like, that's it, you're grounded the rest of your life. Let me tell you something. You want to know who God is? I'll tell you who God is. God is the one who said these things are right and these things are wrong. And when you and I, in spite, broke God's law anyway, and even when we weren't looking for Him, the Bible says, but God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You want to know what kind of lawgiver he is? Yes, he gives the law and it has a firmness, but he sees that we are but dust and for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the lawgiver chose to be my deliverer. You want to know who God is? I'll tell you who God is. He's the King of the universe. And even though in our hearts we were born wanting to rebel against that King and to do our own thing, yet He gave His only Son to die on the cross that He might rule in our hearts. Now I hope over the last few minutes you've learned how to answer the question, Who is God? But I want to conclude by telling you this. It's one thing to know the answer, who is God? But it's another thing to know Him. They're in people in hell right now because they knew who God was, but they didn't know Him. I want you to know Him more than just being God. I want Him to be your heavenly Father. You say, well how does somebody take the jump from knowing about God to knowing God? It's very simple. John 1 and verse 12, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. You know what, for 12 years of my life I heard a little bit about God. But as a result of riding a church van to the Turner's Creek Baptist Church and hearing preaching Sunday after Sunday, it was on a Sunday afternoon in my bedroom that I read verses like this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. After reading those verses, you know what I did? I received Him. And the fact that I stand before you this morning as a child of God, it has nothing to do with me and every bit to do with Him. I couldn't get myself there. I couldn't get forgiveness. I couldn't get peace. But when I saw that Jesus died on the cross and I could call on Him to save me, it made all the difference in my life. You know what I believe? I believe that people in Arby's aren't the only ones wondering who is God. It could be some of you this morning. Don't just answer the question. But leave here knowing Him. Amen. Let's buy our heads together.